Queenside, the IGA podcast. Also, Mike McCoy, the 2013 U.S. Johnson, now a two-time major champion after becoming the winner of the 144th Open Championship. Welcome to Greenside, the IGA podcast. Clint Brown here with you. Got Charlie Hoyle, assistant golf coach at the University of Iowa. Hoyle has been with the Hawkeyes for six seasons. A native of Lancashire, England, Hoyle played at Lander University in South Carolina from 2006 to 2010, where he recorded three second-place individual finishes and 17 victories. Hoyle was a two-time NCAA Ping All-Region selection and two-time All-Peach Belt selection while being voted Lander's Most Valuable Player by his teammates in 2009. After graduating in 2011 with a bachelor's degree in physical education exercise science, he competed professionally winning 10 events across various mini-tours in the U.S. while also competing in the PGA Tour's Q School. Hoyle's playing career stretched to Europe before returning to the United States. Charlie, how are you? I'm doing well, Clint. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Doing doing well. The yeah. summer's flying by, as always, but uh, that's uh, that's all right. Uh, I want to mention Charlie uh, has had a pretty good run here the last month or so, won our Iowa Amateur, and then just most recently uh, qualified for the U.S. Mid-Am, going to be out at Sleepy Hollow in in New York. So uh, pretty exciting stuff, huh, Charlie? Yeah, it's been nice. It's been nice. Um, you know, fortunately, I have a an understanding wife and a good uh, good boss uh, that uh, let me tee it up occasionally. So I've been been able to do that, you know, in a couple of your guys' events this summer, and it's uh, it's been pretty successful. So it's it's been great. Well, before we we dive in too far on that, I'd like to just kind of get a little background. Charlie, what do you remember from kind of getting started with the game and, you know, as a as a youngster and, and junior golfer? Yeah, it's a long time ago now, Clint. It's I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting old, so I have to think way back. But um well, I'm from England, you know, yep. originally. I don't I don't know if everyone knows that, but from England. Um growing up, I, I played all sports in England, which you know aren't exactly the same ones as you guys play here, but uh, you know, ran track, cricket, uh, rugby was a big, big part of my life. Um, and so, you know, golf was really, I'm the only person that plays golf in my family. So it's, I think that's how most people get into the game, you know, is through, through mm-hmm. parents or the family members. Um, and you know, my parents, none of my parents played, uh, none of my immediate family played, but <clears throat> my cousin, um, who's a similar age to me really good athletic you know athlete in his own right um he he got me in the game we used to he lived in the south of england and i would go down there for summers for a few weeks um and he would come up you know i would live in the northwest of england and, and he'd come up for a couple of weeks in the summer to my house and we'd just play play a ton of sports together we'd go to different camps and one year i went down there and he had a set of golf clubs and um he's like do you want to go to you know, back home we have just like sports fields. You know, soccer, okay. soccer fields. Football yeah. is is the real way, real sport. You know, but uh, soccer, as you guys call it. <laughs> so we went out there, took his golf clubs, and you know, messed around, and and I just immediately fell in love with the game. I was like, what, you know, what is this game? <laughs> what, sure. where, where where has this been my whole life? So anyway, he got me into the game. Um, didn't really play seriously for a few years. Started taking it seriously when I was. 
uh, I broke my arm playing rugby, um, which which happens a lot in that sport, unfortunately. But um, took it up when I was seriously when I was that's probably fourteen. Um, started playing a lot more and got into it. Came you know, long story short, got in got got uh, into college here in the U.S. in South Carolina, and um, and yeah, and, and just kind of went from there. But that's that's how I got started in the game. Charlie, for for those of us, including me, that have that have never been over there, mm-hmm. give, give me just a short summary. Uh, your thoughts? What's what's golf like in England? Because I have this kind of picture in my mind, and you know, watching the Open Championship and stuff. But what's give me give me a general generalization of golf in England? Yeah, I mean, we have, uh, um, you know, again, it's it's such a been such a long time since I was a junior in, in England mm-hmm. playing. Um, but as far as golf courses go, you know, we have generally three types of golf courses in the, in the UK. We have like a Parkland style golf course, which I think, you know, you'd see most, you know, mostly here in, in, in Iowa kind of tree line golf courses. Okay. Um, then we have like a Moreland type course, you know, that's kind of, and then we have a link links golf, which, and so a Moreland course is kind of between links and, and Parkland courses. Uh, but I grew up on a Lynx golf course, you know, mm-hmm. from the northwest of England, um, you know, right on the essentially right on the ocean there on the Irish Sea. Um, and, uh, you know, so golf's a lot different than it is here. Um, and growing up, I, I played Lynx golf. That's what I played. And, you know, you got to kind of run the ball on the ground and, and uh, you know, hit a lot of different shots, which I think helped me, you know, in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't just have a stock, you know, you don't just go for your 60 degree if you miss a green you might be right chipping with a three wood or a seven iron or you know putting from a long way away so you know golf golf is is a lot different but those are the three types of golf courses we have we have back home and i would say as well you know growing up back back home um golf was a lot more tradition traditional i would say back then you know my golf club growing up you know you couldn't obviously couldn't wear your hat indoors uh, you, you, your baseball cap indoors, you had, you couldn't wear tennis shoes in the clubhouse. You had to wear dress shoes. Um, you know, you weren't allowed in certain parts of the clubhouse as a junior, you weren't allowed on the golf course at certain times. Uh, and so I think golf's come a long way since, since then, uh, for the better, you know, it's become a lot more, um, it's become a lot more accessible to a lot, mm-hmm. a lot more different people. And, um, and so, but, th- but that's how it was when I was growing up back home okay uh and you ended up at, at lander university in, in south carolina charlie how did that how did that recruitment work how did you kind of get to the states how, do, how does that work for somebody you know from england coming over in in your situation yeah i, I had a pretty unique situation i would say okay. um i went to i went to the international junior golf academy um which at the time was based in hilton head island okay. south carolina sure um, and so, like, like I mentioned before, you know, I'd really only just start getting into the game seriously when I was sort of 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I came over to the, to the IJGA, um, when I was 15, really just kind of, you know, I was a single digit handicap, but I wasn't, I wasn't good at all. You know, looking back now, I was pretty, 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 pretty poor golfer, to be honest. <laughs> um, so I went to the golf academy and, you know, I went through, I grew a lot physically um like my 
my first year at the golf academy you know I, I think I went away to the state came away to the states I was probably you know five foot six and came back I was six foot two or something like that so I, I grew, <laughs> grew a ton that first yeah. year um yeah. had a great coach there Hugh Roy the third unbelievable yeah. player his own right yeah uh, I was one of, one of you know very prestigious golf tournaments I uh, played on tour for a number of years and and he helped me massively you know he he taught me all about what it is to play tournament golf you know like I said at that point I was kind of a newbie to the game and he uh he really helped me massively he was a, a huge influence still has a huge influence on my on my golfing career so came over to the golf academy learned a lot got a lot better um Lando was just starting a team. They had a team back in the 70s, 60s and 70s. They disbanded it. And then they started up again in 05, I believe, was the first year. Um, and so the coach there, uh, Chipper Bagwell, another, you know, a big part of my life, mm -hmm. big reason I'm still here in the States. He came out there. He was recruiting a couple of other guys. And uh, like I said, I wasn't very good at that point. And um, I asked one of my buddies, I'm like, you know, do you think, I could tag along with you and see if this coach, you know, likes, likes my game, you know, mm -hmm. and just kind of through, through that. And he's like, yeah, sure. You know? So I talked to Hugh and um, he picked me up from the, at that point I was living on Defusky Island, which is, which is off Hilton head. Um, so Hugh picked me up from the ferry, took me out there, you know, 7am or whatever. And Chipper was out there watching and I went and played nine holes with, with Seb, my friend that was getting recruited by Chipper and, I played well, you know, I played pretty solidly. Um, mm -hmm. and, and at the end of the round, you know, after, after we got done, you know, Chipper, we had a couple of conversations and he's like, would you like to come to the lander? And I, you know, I had no idea about, you know, the collegiate athletics really at that point. Um, sure. and I was, yeah, you know, they, it sounds great. You got a golf course on campus, essentially, you know, it's South Carolina. I love the state. Um, and so that's how I ended up at Lander. And then, yeah, it was, was there four years. We had a great, some great teams, had a great time there, met some unbelievable people, still some of my best friends this day. And um, very thankful, very thankful to Chipper and to my parents, you know, for getting me to the, to the States in the first place. So, Charlie, would you say, kind of looking back at your, your your golfing career coming up were you were you one that just kind of kept getting better obviously you said you had the growth spurt so that probably helped with you know just distance and, and being a little stronger but uh what do you kind of remember from that as far as kind of your progression um up the ranks there yeah i i 100 i mean i got better every single year you know and that's that's not always easy to do in this game as mm -hmm. i'm sure exactly people listening that play the game know um but I think I was so new to the sport, like I said, that, you know, I had that room to grow. I, I hadn't hit my, I hadn't hit my peak. I hope, you know, still haven't. Um, mm -hmm. But um, so, yeah, I improved every year. I mean, my first two years at Lander, you know, I, I showed some, some decent promise, shot some decent scores, but I, it was after my sophomore year, um, Chipper, I think, you know, recommended me get back in touch with Hugh. That's who I worked with at the academy. I hadn't worked with anyone and mm -hmm. got back in touch with Hugh at the end of my sophomore year. And and we started working together again that summer. And that's when my game really kind of took off. You know, I started playing really solidly, had a chance to win some collegiate events, didn't get it done. But, um, you know, it was, was all conference and all region, all that stuff the last couple of years. And um, that was that was when my game really kind of 
took off the most, I'd say. Okay. And then if I have this right, after um, you graduated there, you did some coaching there, but then all, were you also playing professional at that time or what that timeline look like? I was, yeah. So I, um, you know, it took me a little longer to, to get my undergrad degree than maybe it should have, but um, I, I got it done. Um, so go. that, that, that year that it took me a year extra, it took me to get my degree. <laughs> I was, uh, I was a grad assistant for Chipper. Okay. And that was, then and then yeah i um i was i was an assistant there for a few years playing you know mini tour golf at the time the, the schedule worked out where i would coach during the year and then summers you know i'd go play and so yeah i did that had it had a little bit of success but you know nothing nothing massive um and so yeah that's what i did kind of after after school there and then i went uh, it was a, it was a tough decision to make but i went back to the uk for a couple of seasons i went back to europe for a couple of seasons tried to play over there and uh you know didn't like again you know really didn't break through in any way and, mm -hmm. and uh, i had to come back to the u.s when i was dating my, my now wife at the time you know the whole time and it was long distance relationships are really tough and um decided you know i missed the u.s i missed her massively and decided to come back in 2017 so i've been here full time since then so did you come did you come to the University of Iowa from when from overseas, or was there something in between that you were doing? I moved back to the states, moved back to South Carolina in 2017. Okay, uh, Greenwood, which is where Lander is, and then okay, um, my wife and I got married late that that year, at the end of the year of 2017, and then got a call from Coach Stip, um, that probably the beginning of 2018, I guess it was, or maybe that summer, early okay. that summer and and then yeah came came here in july of 2018 uh going back to the the mini tour uh kind of grind i'm gonna call it charlie what you got any stories that you remember from there maybe guys that you played with that somebody might uh, might know or anything just kind of funny that that happened yeah i, I mean there's I've, so many I've, of those mini tour stories yeah got a lot uh some of them probably on you know uh pertinent to this podcast and i would <laughs> you know, relive them on this podcast, but it was a grind. You're right. You're hundred percent right. I mean, it's, it's tough. You know, you're playing, you're playing a lot of golf, you're playing for your dinner, um, staying in some really cruddy hotels, um, trying to, trying to save money wherever you can. And it, it's, it is tough, but you know, it's, it's a lot of fun too. I love playing golf. I still love playing golf. Obviously don't do as much as I would like, but, um, it's, it's a game that I'm really passionate about. But, yeah, that time, you know, I played with um, Atlanta, you know, not, not necessarily talking about mini tour golf, but um, I played with a lot of great players, you know, mm -hmm. my time in college and then my time on the mini tours. A lot of guys, um, you know, that are still really good players to this day. One, a guy that sticks out that I'm really good friends with still is, is Will Wilcox. Mm-hmm, sure. um, famous for a few things but making that hole in one of the players a few years mm -hmm. ago um so we had a lot of a lot of good times you know playing collegiate golf against each other he was he was generally number one at his school Clayton State and I was number one at, at Lander and we played a ton of golf against each other and with each other do you remember actually playing my first Hooters tour event okay and hitting balls on the range and you know, I was just kind of, it was maybe the practice day and was hitting balls, minding my own business and 
guy comes up, you know, behind me on the range and starts hitting, and you can just hear the sound of the, the guy hitting the ball. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So I turned around, and uh, it was Tony Fee now. I would say he's probably 17 or 18 at the time, you know, because he was he yeah. turned pro really young. Big money deal um, for a million dollars, whatever it was. But, yeah, good Lord, I just remember listening to him hit ball. It's like, you know, just the sound that it uh-huh. made. I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> That's impressive. It's like, who's this guy? And I, I, I got to beat him? Like, hmm, okay, well. Yeah. Better hit some balls. Yeah. Here, huh? But he was young looking, you know, you could see in the face. And I've always been young looking, but he was particularly, I could tell, you know, he was kind of younger, but just the uh, the sound that, that the ball the ball made coming off the club was really impressive. And, and you know, just playing mini golf, mini tour golf against guys that are on the tour now, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, just, just a lot of the names that played mini tour golf against, you know, now on tour. And, um, so, but the the Finau story is probably probably a good one, I'd say. Charlie, did you? Who were some of the golfers you kind of looked up to, or maybe were kind of your favorites growing up? Or you said you kind of got started maybe a little bit later than some, but kind of right around that you know early teenage years. Uh, who were some guys you you like to follow or kind of looked up to? Yeah, I think I'm probably not alone here, but Tiger Woods, sure, you know, good lord, he's he was the game, still is the game, you know. Um, just just helped the game explode on in all corners of the globe. You know, I remember watching him win the Masters, you know, go against DeMarco and chip mm-hmm. in on six. All, all the, you know, so many amazing things that he did. So I would say Tiger is, is the biggest one. And then, you know, coming from England, um, Justin Rose was a, was a, you know, a huge idol of mine. I get a phenomenal golf swing, still does. Obviously, an amazing amateur record in England. Um, so yeah, I'd say Tiger and, and Justin growing up, probably the two two biggest uh, two biggest names that I would gravitate towards. Fair enough. I, I figured Tiger was probably in there in the mix somewhere, yeah. but I was I was yeah. curious. So, hundred twenty first Iowa Amateur, uh, thirteen under. Uh, rounds of 68, 64, 68. I'll tell you what, I didn't see 13 under coming. I thought it was going to be about seven or eight, and that's what ended up finishing uh, second. But uh, you had her going at Glen Oaks Country Club, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I haven't, like I said, I, I don't really get to play much golf. And I, mm-hmm. the start of this summer, you know, I've been playing decently when I had been teeing it up. We took a, a group of guys to Nebraska to um, – Landmand golf course, golf club out there in home in Nebraska. And um, Steve and I, who I'm sure everyone's yeah. familiar with, that played here at Iowa, he set the course record there when we went up last summer uh, at seven under. And we went back, like I said, with these group of guys beginning of June. And um, I tied his course record the first day, uh, seven under and then came back out the second day and shot it again so been playing some decent golf when i have been playing but then you know the summers roll on and we've been recruiting and working and i've got another baby on the way and so i haven't been playing much but um yeah it, you know going into the week i've been practicing a decent amount you know um and i told it's funny because i mac mcclear one of our guys um and one of our incoming guys right here and they, we were talking about they were asking me about the IOM and um, 
I said, yeah, I feel I feel decently good about my game. You know, if I can just make some putts, I think I, I might have a chance. You know, I know there's a lot of great players playing in it. Um, but if I can make some putts, I think I have a chance. And I uh, played the practice round on Sunday, first time I played the course. And okay, I was talking to Mac that night, and uh, he's asking me, you know, what 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 he thought I needed to shoot, whatever. I said, I think 12 under is a pretty good score. You know, I think four under a round, because the course was – it's obviously a little challenging off the tee, mm-hmm. um, but it was relatively soft coming to the greens. And so I thought, you know, if I can shoot 12 under, I think I've got a really good chance of, being, you know, I don't know what anyone else is going to do. But, sure. um, and obviously ended up shooting 13 and, uh, and did it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, like I said, I've been, I've been playing well, but you never expect to uh, truly expect maybe to, to win by I win a golf tournament by six shots. So it was it was a lot of fun. Um you kind of answered my question. You know, it felt felt like maybe it was a course that you could you could get after a little bit. Um Charlie, was there a, a hole or maybe a stretch of holes kind of looking back that you felt like, okay, like, you know, not that that was the difference because you won by six, but it was like maybe, hey, this could be my week. Yeah, I think I think anytime you win a golf tournament, you have to have a a good break here or there, right? You know, I don't think anyone goes 54, 72, 36, whatever it is, mm-hmm. without getting a good break and, and then going on to win. Um, I would say, I would say probably the second round, um, I started off on the back nine, played really, really solidly on the back, shot, I think I shot four under on the back and then made the turn just laced the three wood down there, had 80 yards in. Um, honestly, hit the three wood a little too good. I got a little too close, but had 80 yards in just to a awesome looking pin, you know, front, left, you got a backstop. Yep. And I hit it. I thought I hit a good wedge shot, but it came up short of the green. And I was okay. like, what was that? And then had a tough, <laughs> had a tough chip, hit it to, yeah. to about 11 feet. Um, and cashed that that par putt. Okay. And it was a swinger. It was it was a big right to left breaker down the hill and yep. made that. Felt really good. Next hole, I just hit the worst, by far the worst shot of the week. Um I think I I think I only missed five greens for the week. And I missed two in a row back to back here on one and two in the second round. So the second hole, I blocked it out right, had a side hill lie. And I shanked my chip. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no, exactly. So I shanked my chip to the right. And at this point, I'm just, I just laughed. I'm like, what is going on here, you know? Uh, I've been on cruise control and then just, mm-hmm. what is going on? So then got up and down for bogey there. Made about five footer um, for bogey, you know? So those two, it's not always like making birdies in a row or whatever. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot of times it's pars and maybe even bogey saves that kind of keep things going. And so... I would say those two holes right there, making those two putts, the 11 footer and the five footer on two, um, my 10th and 11th holes was, was huge. Cause then I, I played the last, uh, played the last six holes in four under, I think. So uh, yeah, I think that, that was kind of the stretch there that just kind of kept me in it, you know, um, and settled me down a little bit, you know, I've just reminded that this is golf, anything can happen. <laughs> But uh, made a couple of good putts and and finished it off that second nicely. So, well, you brought up something that in my 
as I've matured on the golf course. And I think you have to do when you hit a shot like that, like you talked about there on two, you just got to laugh. You just got to be like, like you said, what was that? Like, for sure. And, I mean, and, it's, you know, yeah. things happen. Things happen mm-hmm. on the golf course. Not always, you know, not always what you expect, what you want to happen. But uh, when something crazy like that happens, that's all you can do, you know, is laugh it off and focus, focus on the next shot as much as you can. Uh, Charlie, um, you know, that, that last day you, you got out to a, to a nice lead, I think through nine holes. And I, I think if I remember talking to you afterwards, you really didn't watch the scoreboard too much, but was it a matter of, Hey, let's just control what I can control and, and add them up at the end. Yeah. I mean, I, um, like I said before, before the week started, I thought 12 under was going to be a good score. Um, I guess I was uh, three sides, so 10 under mm-hmm. the uh, through two rounds. And I, I wanted to get to 14. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to get to 14, just keep the pedal down. I, I didn't watch, I literally did not po- pull my phone out the whole week, the whole three days. I didn't look at the scoreboard one time um, just because I, I wanted to, you know, I, I just wanted, like I said, to keep the pedal down. I knew I was playing good golf. And if you, you know, hit the best shot you can on every single shot, or at least attempt to hit the best shot you can every shot, um, it's going to be tough for someone to catch you. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't look at the phone. Um, the front nine, the first few holes that last round, hit the ball really well. I gave, you know, I gave myself some really good birdie looks. One, I had it, you know, nine nine feet under the hole, straight up the hill, missed it. Two, good par. Three, gave myself 15 feet up the hill, missed it. Four, I had a um, probably like a seven, eight-footer up the hill, missed that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, five, just a par hole. So I, I, mean, I had good two put on five. And then I'd say pivotal part of that round was was uh, the sixth hole. I I... I had such a freshman moment on that. If it was one of my guys, I would just chastise them for this. Um, but six, I was in the middle of the fairway, hit a good tee shot. Uh-huh. Looked at my book, and for whatever reason, I didn't check my pin sheet. So again, fresh, freshman moment here as a 35-year-old. Um, and I remember the, where that hole was. So yeah, so I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, about this. yeah, the toughest hole location of any green all week, you know, so... <laughs> Um, so I'm in the middle of the fairway. Oh, the pins, you know, back middle. I have it dotted in my book. Uh-oh. So I, I pulled it a little bit, but I knew it was going to be on the top level just fine. Uh, yep. Then I look at the pin as I'm riding up. I'm like, that is not on the back. That is in the middle, and it's on the right. Uh-huh. And looked at my book, and I realized what the putt I had left myself. I was on the top shelf. Greens are rolling 12 and a half, you know, uh-huh. and I've got this diabolical attempt at a two putt and um anyway i i got lucky to keep it on the green honestly uh-huh. and then yep. um which was huge for the momentum so you know these par putts they're kind of adding up now thinking uh-huh. about it but, um, uh-huh. so yeah but then and then the back nine just played really really solid really really solid on the back again didn't look at my phone and just wanted to hit the best shot I could every time. So I hit a couple of loose drives on the back, but managed to hit some really nice iron shots and make a couple of putts. So 
Well, got it, got it done, and then uh, moved on, like I said, to the U.S. Mid-Am Qualifier, uh, shot four under 68. Um, did you kind of take a little momentum into that, uh, Charlie, at, at Beaver Hills there in Cedar Falls from, from winning the AM, or was – or was it just kind of a just another another challenge for you? Um, I, I suppose I did. I mean, I was had some positive vibes going. Um, you know, some confidence in my game. Um, again, hadn't played Beaver Hills before, but went up on Sunday to play it. Um, nice golf course is in phenomenal shape. Mm-hmm. Um, set up good for me. I like to hit cut off the tee and draw my irons and. Seemed like there were a lot of left to right dog leg holes out there. So it set up good. But, um, you know, after last year, I, I played twice last year, last summer, played in the USM qualifier and the, and the US mid-am qualifier. Got in a playoff on both of those uh, and lost playoffs in both of those. And so the mid-am deal just really, I was pretty determined to to qualify for that. Um and so, you know, I, I got off to a slow start on Monday for the mid-arm qualifier again. Um, made a bogey on 10, terrible bogey on 10. And then I just really, you know, I had a good group with the guys I was playing with, Ethan and Ethan Meckling. And, and uh, we had a we had a good time. But about that time I made the bogey on 10, I just, I kind of got upset with myself and mm-hmm. decided to refocus Um and and rattled off three uh, i guess i think i made three birdies in a row yep. there yep. until 13 so um and then really played solid down the stretch left the putt on 18 dead in the jaws like an inch and a half two inches short of the hole mm-hmm. and again didn't look at my phone all day I, I came off the green first thing i did was pull my phone out of my bag to check and then there's you know you got guys that a guy at seven, a couple of guys at, or a guy at five, a few guys at four, yeah. and I was just so upset with myself, you know. Yeah, um, I I thought, and I, I think I, I told you this, I thought five was probably going to be it, but but there was just a lot of a lot of moving and shaking going on as, as guys finished. And, you know, as as you know, it's sometimes it's tough to, to close, and some guys came back, and some other guys, you know, didn't maybe didn't make some birdies on holes that maybe they could have, and, and four under uh, – held up for you talk to me a little bit about those kind of one day qualifiers is it is it kind of a balance of you know being aggressive but also maybe kind of choosing your spots or or does it kind of does it just kind of depend on the course for you in those kind of one day you know qualifiers yeah i think i think the one day qualifying deal one round qualifying deal is is tough you know because it's uh i don't know if it's always the most complete way to define the the best golfer you know Mm -hmm. the site i mean you've got to it's ultimately about shooting a score when you need to right and so in in that respect i think it does identify the the best player on the day um so you're right i mean it's it's tough to find a balance of, of being aggressive enough but then also just playing a game you know the way you would for me honestly i don't change the way i play you know i don't regardless if it's a three-round event, four-round event, a one-day qualifier, I'm going to do the same thing every time. I'm going to try to uh, pick the correct – I mean, I am not going to try. I'm going to pick the correct spot to hit it in. You know, whether I hit it there or not is another deal. But 
I'm going to try and hit it in the correct spot, come into the green, hit the correct club off the tee. Um, that's, you know, statistically the, the, the correct play. It doesn't matter if, you know, I, I'm a shot down with a shot to play, you know, the right club off the tee is the right club off the tee. And I'm going to pull that club every time. So, um, yeah, I think it is, it's a tricky one because it's, it is one round and anything can happen over one round. But for me personally, I just try to, to play golf the same, you know, every time I tee it up in a tournament, you know, obviously when I'm mm-hmm. playing with playing at home, maybe with some friends or something, I'll take some unnecessary risks, but uh, yeah, for me in tournament golf, I just try and play the same way, you know, every, every single round. Charlie, you, you say you get to play a little bit, not a lot, but I'm kind of curious um, as far as kind of on the recruiting trail for you, um, in the summers, are you traveling quite a bit? Are you kind of like, you know, watching scores all over the country and, you know, kind of communicating with kids or what's that look like these days, uh, kind of recruiting, um, you know, division one golf. All of the above, okay. all of the above. Yeah. yeah. We, we, uh, we do it all, you know, we, it's a lot, you know, we have mm-hmm. eight or nine guys on the team. So I'm, I'm constantly keeping up with them, sure. how they're yeah. playing. Uh, you know, obviously, We've had we've had some guys playing some pretty high level events lately, and um, so just enjoy watching them play. But then also, yeah, identifying guys that we potentially want on the team in the future, and so we do travel around a good bit. I haven't taken any international trips the last couple of years, um, but you know, driving a lot around the Midwest and surrounding states, traveling to the southeast a decent amount in the summer. Um, you know, phone calls with 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 prospects and, and parents of prospects. And so, yeah, it's, it's full, it's full, uh, full go, you know, we never stop and, um, 24, seven, 365 job we have. So we, we enjoy it. I enjoy it immensely. It's very rewarding. Um, love seeing guys, you know, improve and progress. We've had a few guys in the last couple of years do that. Um, and then, you know, like you said, you know, just getting out and watching, watching future, future classes and, and trying to identify talent, you know, all, all over the country. Charlie, one question I, I did have, um, you know, I'm sure, and I go not to give away your secrets, but it's probably not always just the score that maybe a prospect shoots. You're probably watching kind of maybe how he handles adversity and maybe, you know, hits one of those little squirrely shots and to kind of maybe kind of see what he does, you know, the next shot or next couple holes after that, aren't you? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, we, we talk about it all the time. I, I, you know, I want to see guys play well. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see them shoot low scores. But for me, and I think Tyler would agree with this too, you know, I honestly enjoy from a recruiting standpoint, I, I like to see guys on their bad days because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you see you see what they're made of. You know, it's really easy to, to be happy-go-lucky and have a good attitude when you're hitting all the shots and you're playing well. But when guys maybe don't have their best game, uh, aren't hitting it their, their best or, you know, putting their best, how, how do they respond? How do they react to those those bad shots, bad breaks, whatever it is? So, yeah, I, I do like to watch guys, you know, and that's why we get out a lot to watch guys play because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you want to see how they handle adversity, see how they handle bad shots and if they can bounce back from, from you know, bad shots, adversity whatever it is um that's that's the sign of a, of a good player and a strong confident player in, in my mind charlie it's a similar question that i've asked 
others on the podcast um, when you're able to to get out are you one that likes to you know hit a lot of balls on the range and work on things or do you like to would you rather go to the course and kind of practice that way out on the course if you asked me a few years ago I, mm -hmm. I would have said I like getting out on the course and playing um okay. now with my various time constraints sure um it's hard to to go out you know we all know how how long it takes to play golf. I mean, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to take that long, but it you know the reality is it does take a few hours. So um, now you know I just try and you know when I was getting ready for the events that I played in this summer, the the qualifier and the the Iowa Am, um, you know I, I would I would just hit wedges. I would just hit wedges on track. We we're really lucky here at Iowa, the University of Iowa. We have a phenomenal facility. We have our own golf course. We have all the technology we need. So, you know, I just, I really practice the way that we tell the guys to practice. And that's, you know, work on, you know, before an event, a couple of weeks out from an event, just work on hitting numbers as far as like carry, carry distances, you know, for your wedges, short irons, make sure your driver's in play, um, short game, ton of short game. So, I would just carve out an hour here, an hour and a half there, you know, during the week, a couple of times a week to hit wedges, practice some short game, um, maybe sneak out on the course for like four holes. That's kind of, that was what I was doing before the, the mm -hmm. Iowa Am. Uh, we have a couple of little of those uh, golf like bikes that we have here and you can just whiz around. So I'd play four or five holes, but I'd say now just kind of a mix, you know, wh whatever I have time for, but generally it's like an hour of, wedges or an hour of short game or you know four four or five holes on the course so just trying to get get as much work in as i can you know well charlie before i let you go uh what's kind of the outlook this fall for the team I, what kind of team you got are you are you a veteran or you got some young guys coming up what's uh what's maybe kind of the quick summary of of what's happening this fall for you guys yeah we we've got a good we've got a good mix you know we've okay. got um every everybody but one coming back from last year uh, most notably, Mac McClear, you know, as our best player the last couple of years, two-time Big Ten champion, just made a nice run at the Western Am, made the Sweet 16. He's coming back for his fifth and final year, so we'll have a little bit of veteran leadership in him. Uh, we have a couple of, you know, really exciting young players coming in. Max Choa from Cedar Falls. Um, we have Noah Kent from, from Naples, Florida coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a, a grad transfer coming in, Josh Lundmark from Cornell. So he's an, he's an older guy. And then we have, you know, some guys kind of in their sophomore, junior years coming back. We have Callum McPhee, Felipe Pedraza, Ian Meyer, Hogan Hansen from Waverly. Um, so an exciting group. I think, um, you know, when you have three guys coming in, you don't always know what to expect. But I think we're going to have a good mix of guys, uh, a lot of talent. Uh, and it'll be it'll be very competitive. I'm very interested to see how qualifying goes this fall. Um, you know, I've said to many people, there's nothing like competition. That's why I still try and play. You know, when I can, is because I I really love the competitive aspect of of golf. Um, and so we we try and do that here. And I think this year is going to be very competitive um, and and very interesting. So, well, I uh, want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, good luck out in, in New York at the at the U.S. Mid-Am. We'll be watching and uh, do some damage out there. How's that sound? 
Thanks so much, Clint. And I, I do want to say um, thank you to you, you know, obviously for everything you do at the IGA, this podcast, you, you're doing a great job. And, and all the IGA staff, you guys do a phenomenal job of, of running, you know, really, really high level events uh, and giving a chance, giving people a chance to, to compete, you know, on a, on a state level. And I uh, just want to thank er er everything you all do for the game and, and for the state of Iowa. So thanks for having me on today. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you saying that and uh, we'll talk to you later. Yeah. Thanks, Clint. Take care, buddy. You too.